Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're talking school libraries. In my early days, a place where I checked out encyclopedia articles on the Civil War and Teddy Roosevelt, all while learning the Dewey Decimal System by a nun named Sister Maria. Now, they're an evolving learning space with the role of the school librarian ever-changing. To help us better understand this role, we have today Rebecca Morris, Assistant Professor at Simmons Graduate School of Library and Information Science, who was recommended today as a guest by one of our listeners, Britta Zitten, who helped with the questions. Welcome to Harvard, Professor Morris. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Professor Morris, why don't you just give us a sort of broad history of the role of school librarians, school libraries, how have they evolved over time, and what do they do if, if that's not a dumb question to ask? Certainly, that's a good place to start. I think a lot of people remember school libraries as the place where they had a library day, just like we have gym day, music day, art day. And in fact, I was in a bookstore yesterday, the New England Mobile Book Fair, looking at a picture book about library day. And that was basically what library day was. We went into the library, checked out a book, and depending on how active or involved the elementary school librarian was or even a person's high school librarian, that image formulates what they know about school libraries. The same is true for public libraries. If we were avid users of the public library, we continue to seek them out throughout our lifetime. And sometimes there's some misconceptions when it comes to both. I think a lot of people assume that any person that works in a library is a librarian. And in fact, that's not necessarily the case. To be a professional school librarian, one must not only have a bachelor's degree, but also a master's degree. At Simmons, we offer the Master of Science degree. My own master's degree is a master's of library and information science and the school library is a pro school librarian is a professional teacher and in thinking about the history of, of libraries and school librarians one of the areas that I, I thought of was one of the pioneers of school libraries who was uh, Francis Henney and in fact in the American Library Association there are several different awards named for Dr. Henney and I came across this article that she wrote in 1941 for Library Quarterly entitled Library Radio Relationships and she was examining the role of radio in libraries because perfect for this podcast absolutely today. <laughs> absolutely I can't believe that I, I thought of it but she asks the question is listening to the radio taking the place of reading and throughout this article one could substitute the word radio with the word internet or technology or smartphone and examine some of the very same questions and Frances Henney was responsible for a lot of the standards that formulated how school libraries functioned in especially the 1950s, 1960s, and she devised some of the first library standards documents upon which our, our current standards are based. And she also presents some recommendations for dealing with radio as, as another form of, of media influence in, in this particular article was adults in public libraries, but she explains that Books frequently amplify or modify radio material, awakening a response in the listener to inquire further. And technology does the same thing. And, and as a school librarian, we do much of that kind of connection with what kids are, are doing with technology, what they are learning. And our, our responsibility now is 21st century skills. And school librarians have five roles that the American Association of School Libraries um, describes. So they are leader, teacher, instructional partner, that's a big piece. And then, of course, information specialist, that's the library and information science part. Why is the instructional partner such a big piece? That's a great question. And that's the part that a lot of people don't recognize or know from 
their experience or memories of school libraries. School librarians are teachers working together in collaboration with classroom teachers to teach curriculum and teach standards. A lot of your listeners may know the, the phrase Common Core. We talk quite a bit about the Common Core state standards. And in fact, in the fall, I'll be doing some work with school districts to help their libraries and librarians get ready to implement the Common Core. And we want to make sure that people know that school librarians are not an enrichment, not an add-on. They're absolutely essential to to learning. And some of the research studies we can talk about in a little bit support that that role. But instructional partner is the piece that sometimes my students don't even realize. They don't necessarily know that when they come into my curriculum class that they're going to be writing lesson plans and that we're going to be focusing on the development of really robust objectives and authentic assessments mostly in collaboration with classroom teachers sometimes as still as that special library day but even in a fixed schedule which means maybe the children come every tuesday afternoon to the library there are innovative ways that school librarians are figuring out how to work with classroom teachers to teach the curriculum so i was going to ask you the question you used to be a teacher and then you moved into school libraries i mm -hmm. mean i you still are a teacher in many ways mm -hmm. it's funny because some people used to ask when i was a school librarian do you miss being a teacher and it would kind of make my heart hurt a little bit because sometimes they don't, even the children, one, one time a middle schooler asked me if I ever wanted to be a real teacher. And I know it's just a, a quick comment and a perception, but it, it really matters to me. And even now as a, as a professor, I still love the teaching part. The day-to-day -day operations, and, and, and can you just kind of walk us through, maybe if, if this is possible, a typical day mm -hmm. for a school librarian, how they're interacting with not just the students, which is what most people think about, but also how they're supporting teachers and also parents of those students. Mm -hmm. When I was a librarian, I was at the middle school level, so in, and that was in Pennsylvania, and that was a school that was grade six, seven, and eight. So in the morning, I might come in half an hour before our contract day began to make sure that I was set for the day. I might be teaching several different subject areas that day, several different collaborations with teachers. So I'd get myself set, and then the teachers would start to come in. I tried to make the library really open and welcoming space. So teacher might bring his or her coffee and, and chat a little bit, get the newspaper. A lot of times, a, co a collaboration might form from just a casual conversation. So sometimes lesson planning with teachers, especially if they didn't have time during the day. And then the kids would start to straggle in. And those were the sometimes printing off homework, looking up last night's sports scores. And I tried to create a, a disciplinary atmosphere that actually wasn't especially disciplinary. I used to hate it when classroom teachers would punish the student by keeping them from the library for a couple weeks. It, it was a difficult thing for me because I wanted to make sure that their experience in the library was a positive one to set them up for high school, for college, for public library use. But in a typical day, I guess it's hard to describe a typical day because every day was different. And that's what I liked so much about being a school librarian. I might have a sixth grade information literacy class come in and we're working on maybe using websites effectively, being able to evaluate authorship of a website. Then perhaps I might have three math classes coming in where they're one of their, our favorite activities in the fall was reading about, there was an article about icing the kicker and whether or not this was an effective strategy. So the students would read the article, talk about the percentages of when a football team iced the kicker, if the, he would in fact miss the field goal. And, and then maybe I'd have lunch with the sixth grade teachers, I tried to make sure that I got out of the library into the into the school building, and then maybe an afternoon of developing a virtual scrapbook with the Spanish classes, and then an afternoon maybe a, a, a quick meeting with a, a grade level, and then then would begin the program administration part of the role, because a lot of times you don't really have time during the day to order books or do lesson planning individually. So 
a lot of time was spent after school or, or taking things home. And, um, and then the next day would begin, and it might be different grade levels, different teachers, different kids. Rebecca, you can't leave us hanging here. Does icing the kicker work? Not, not usually. <laughs> <laughs> now, so now you were a classroom teacher, and at what point did you just did you make the, the jump to the school librarian role? Was it was it a school librarian who particularly affected you? Was it that you saw the work was so enriching? Um, what was the moment where you decided to kind of make that transition? And then not only make the transition as a school librarian, but also decide to dedicate your professional career mm-hmm. and all of your academic research to it. I think it was the, the literature, the, the books piece of, of librarianship that initially drew me to the library. Sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. And when I was a student, an undergraduate student at Penn State, I went to a conference called Children's Literature Matters. I think I went maybe six or seven times. And they would bring in wonderful authors and illustrators to this audience of some education students and a lot of teachers and librarians. And I think in that realm, I found my people. And I was a first grade teacher trying to figure out what I might pursue a master's degree in. And in Pennsylvania, we were required to get 24 post-baccalaureate credits in order to get a permanent certification. I started in reading, and I thought, because I was teaching first grade, that the process of reading might be where I was interested. But it wasn't so much the reading I discovered as the literature, the media, the resources. So I switched from a reading program at the University of Pittsburgh in, in the graduate school over to school librarianship, and it was, it was an instant match. Perfect fit. And, and talk about a little bit of your research, your dissertation topic and the work, the work you did at the University of Pittsburgh, but also what you're working on now. I know your CV says that there's a huge emphasis on digital storytelling. Uh, what does that mean in the context of libraries? Well, I, I was trying to shape in the car on the way here how I might connect for you and your audience my dissertation research with what my research is now because they're, they're connected. But I'm interested in what we would call 21st century skills. This is the, the standards that school librarians work to, to teach with teachers and, and, and students. And this is where, where my piece of, of the puzzle was. I was interested in digital storytelling because I was interested in storytelling. I taught a storytelling course in, in Pittsburgh, and I really liked technology and how kids use technology. This was a, a little piece of that puzzle. So I looked at how teachers and librarians were collaborating to teach digital storytelling activities in three schools. It was a, a case study, ethnography type research method. And, and basically, I, I wanted to know, what does this look like? What does this learning activity constitute? And many times with research that's so open-ended, what comes out at the end is, is the more focused questions to study next. And so I, I had some surprises. I, I wanted to see how does digital storytelling relate to what we know as traditional storytelling in the children's library story time setting. And I was curious about audience, ch- children as audience members of each other's digital storytelling and what their roles were as creator of a story and listener of a story and how watching a story in that fixed finished medium of a digital story might compare to the dynamic interactive exchange that is live storytelling. Can you just give a quick couple examples of digital stories? Sure. Digital storytelling might be something like an Animoto where students put images into like an MTV music video type format where it's kind of snappy editing, maybe photo story, iMovie. There's a lot of different formats from very elementary to very sophisticated, typically off-the-shelf technology, not a feature film length, and usually with the guidance of a classroom teacher or librarian and the students working maybe independently or in partners. 
it happened to be that the three settings I was in, the students were all doing a digital story that told some kind of information. Digital storytelling could be used to tell folk, folk tales or fables. Personal narratives are very big in digital storytelling. The Center for Digital Storytelling has some really great examples online. What I found was that, among many other things, that a performance in digital storytelling doesn't just happen at the end. This was a big piece because in a traditional storytelling, you see the finished product, the storyteller or the librarian telling the story. But for children who are who are making digital stories, they're not just the listener or just the creator. They're both. Their, ro their roles are fluid and dynamic and they shift. They might add in a couple pictures, create some narration, and then sit back and watch it. And that editing process was actually what I decided to call a formative digital storytelling viewing. And the social context of digital storytelling in the school library, or in one case it was a technology classroom, were really vital. They would often pretend to have a problem and say, I can't figure out if this piano music matches here. Can you listen? And really it was, you could tell, just a way to get to share their product. So what I want to do next and some of the recommendations that I've made from, from my, my dissertation when I've shared it with teachers and librarians are finding some ways to support that peer feedback, that on-the-go editing, um, guiding students in how they critique their, their peers' work constructively, um, supporting that formative process of digital storytelling by maybe taking some time to share in a, in a more formal way throughout the process rather than just this big showcase at the end. And I think that in a lot of library collaborations with teachers, we're working towards more inquiry-driven projects and more authentic work that doesn't necessarily have a day where we go through everybody's presentations at the end because that's really a superficial way to dive into what they're learning. A little bit about your work for the Advocacy Committee mm -hmm. of the American Association of School Librarians. What are you doing there and how is that connected to your research? It's a great group. It's led by Judy Rettman and she is also a professor of library science and to give you an example of some of the things we do right now we're working on a, a project called Top 10 Reasons Why Friends Should Care About School Libraries and we're we're practicing one of the Web 2.0 tools that the AASL, American Association of School Librarians, has recognized as one of their top websites for teaching and learning this year. It's called Stixi. It's a collaborative Web 2.0 tool. And so we're discussing different ways that, that this is why friends, so library boards, friends of the library, should care about school libraries. So one example is that libraries create a, a safe zone for kids to find information and reading materials and feel comfortable doing so. Last question, Rebecca. Uh, you got to make a pitch right now. Uh, school librarian is. Do you go into this profession or not? What is what is your sort of elevator speech pitch to someone who's you know on the fence of whether they should stay as a teacher in a traditional grade school or a middle school teacher? What is it that you love about school librarians and school libraries that you want to end this podcast with? That's a great question. School librarians are needed right now more than ever, and there's actually a, a very current article in, in Forbes magazine about how the MLIS is perhaps not the most desired degree to get and there was a, a rebuttal from the president of the American Association of School Librarians or I'm sorry of the American Library Association but our little piece of, of the world the school librarians we really need good teachers good information specialists to help students and teachers to use information effectively efficiently and to prepare them not necessarily for the world of tomorrow I get a little bit 
I get a little worried when I hear people saying that children need to be prepared for tomorrow, for the future. It's not tomorrow, it's, it's today. And school librarians are helping kids to navigate through a very difficult and complex information world. And we don't want them to just find information, we want them to create information, to be producers, but in creative and responsible ways. And so if, if we have parents listening, find out what's happening in your school library. Is it appropriately funded? Is it appropriately staffed? Do they need volunteers? Many times our students, actually students who are pursuing the master's degree, found their way to the program because they volunteered in their child's library. And so for school administrators, the librarian is a crucial piece in implementing the Common Core state standards. And if they're, they're not on the, on the technology or curriculum committees that are implementing these, they need to be. And it's, it's a great time to be a school librarian and a, and a school library professor. A true champion of school librarians and libraries, uh, excellent researcher, great professor, and above all, a wonderful guest. Thank Rebecca you. Morris, thank you for being on the EdCast today. Thank you for having me. It was great to talk to you. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education and Britta Zitten today. Thank you very much for listening. Take care. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.